Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Gracious and beautiful God, you are here, and we are here. Lord, may we be conscious and aware of your presence with us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, look at all these shiny, happy people. It's good to see you. Good morning. And good morning to all those in the, uh, YouTube land that are joining us this morning. So, in my former diocese, um, I served on what was called the Commission on Ministry. And that essentially uh, assists the bishop, if you will, in recruiting and forming and supporting and assessing those who are, think they may be called to the diaconate or the priesthood. Uh, so those who are called into some form of ordination. And when meeting a new candidate, I uh, always ask the question, uh, the main question that I asked was, who is Jesus to you? And oftentimes I would get that puzzled look and, you know, they're there and they're a little nervous to begin with, right? And this is, after all, a, a board of people that are evaluating them. And so they want to make sure they get the answer right. And I'd get that puzzled look. It's like, how am I supposed to answer this? <laughs> and I would say to them, look, this is not a trick question. Nor am I looking for a right or wrong answer. Nor am I looking for you to be orthodox and your theology about, and your Christology about Jesus. No, I'm actually curious. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Tell me about who Jesus is to you. See, I think that how a person, how I answer that question for myself, how we answer that question is of utmost significance. Because I think it goes to the heart of a relationship with God. I think it goes to the heart of our understanding of ourselves. I think it goes to the heart of how we lead our lives. It goes to the heart of how we interact with the world and see the world and our relationships. It goes to the heart of the very motives which drive our lives and our decisions. Who is Jesus to you? And this question and how it, we answer it lies at the core of our gospel today. Jesus was with his disciples. They were in the northern uh, part uh, on the border um, he, in the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, Jesus asked his friends, these guys that were crashing weddings with him and roasting marshmallows and hanging out, they wanted to know, like Jesus wanted to know, hey, who do the people say that I am? And, you know, he's curious. What's the word on the street, Right. Uh, what it, the dude that sits beside you in your office or your partner at work or whatever, who does he say I am? 
And so the disciples report back to Jesus. So some think he's John the Baptist. Some, some think he's, others think he's Elijah. And some, still others, he's one of the prophets, right? Because Jesus' ministry of preaching and teaching and healing certainly resembled some of the prophets of early Israel. And Jesus listens to his disciples. He allows them to offer up everything that they think they know based on other people's investigations and speculations and assumptions. And I started thinking, you know, isn't that kind of what we do too? I mean, we name what we've heard, right? Well, Father Quigg said, and so that must be the truth. Or the bishop, the bishop said it. And if the bishop says it, right... Um, we examine what we've inherited. Well, you know, my mother was baptized in this church, and she said, my mom used to do that all the time. I'm like, well, you know. And I'm like, she inherited some of these things. We pair back the certainties others have handed over to us as well. Well, the Nicene Creed says Jesus is. But then Jesus follows up with a very interesting question. All right. I hear what the others think, but I ask you, who do you say that I am? And with this question, Jesus asked his followers to put aside other people's interpretations, right? Um, tell me, articulate to me who I am to you on your own. It's not enough, he implies, to recite the creeds, the traditions, and the theologies. It's not sufficient to rely on other people's answers any longer. At some point, our faith has to become personal. It has to become intimate, right? It has to become invested. It has to be something that we participate in. At some point, we must decide for ourselves how we answer that question. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am, Rick? When you find a woman sleeping behind the dumpster in the church parking lot on a Friday morning. Who do you say I am when you encounter children in your neighborhood at the school who are starving? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am when you've been betrayed, offended, rejected, criticized because the sermon's too long or there's a misspelling in the bulletin? Who do you say I am, Rick? Who do you say I am when it comes to how you run your business, Rick? Who do you say I am when it comes to where and how you invest your money? Who do you say I am when it comes to how you treat Katrina? Who do you say I am? See, I think how we answer this question matters, and it's utmost significant. So, who do you say I am? I've been told, well, you know, I think Jesus is kind of like a Buddhist monk. Right? No, I've had people tell me that. See, those 18 years not accounted for in the scriptures, he was over studying with Buddhists. Well, I've heard he's like a Hindu something or another. I've heard all kinds of things. I like Will Ferrell and Talladega Nights the best, right? Right? I mean, dear Lord, baby Jesus, tiny infant Jesus, Ricky Bobby. I like the Christmas Jesus the best. 
I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to the grown-up Jesus, the teenage Jesus, the bearded Jesus, whoever you want. Dear tiny Jesus in your golden fleece diapers, who do you say I am? Carl Naughton Jr.'s partner says, I like to think of Jesus with those giant eagle wings singing lead vocals in Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. I'm in the front row and I'm hammered. <laughs> Who do you say I am? Because how we answer that question matters. Peter declares, you're the Messiah, man. You're the anointed one. You're the one who's going to save us through power and victory. You're the one who's going to make Israel great again. You're the one who will purify our society. You're the one who will reestablish supremacy. You're the one who will usher in a new era of peace and holiness. You are the superhero. You are Rambo. Right, and you're going to make us great again. And I'm one of your inside guys, so I have a nice seat at the table. <laughs> but what Jesus says next is incredibly disheartening. And according to the 745, challenging. <laughs> I get to preach this text. You know, I, I told him at 745, it's really wonderful. We get up, Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And we go, praise you, Lord Christ. All right, that was a joke, y'all. But Jesus said he was going to face great suffering, be rejected by the religious leaders, be killed, and after three days, rise again. That's not the image of Rambo. That's not a superhero who's going to make Israel great again. Because what Peter assumed the anointed one would do, and what Jesus assumed the anointed one would do, were two different things. Who do you say I am? Jesus thought it meant giving himself over to the power of God's grace, mercy, and love alone. Jesus believed it meant emptying himself of his godlike status and becoming vulnerable, powerless, and take on the form of a slave. This is who Jesus thought the Messiah was and is. Who do you say I am? See, Jesus wasn't, didn't think it was about liberating um, us um, from a political situation. Jesus thought the Messiah meant delivering people from sin and death and fear and addiction and self-centeredness and delusion, freeing us from what traps us away from God. It wasn't about conquering like Rambo but about standing with those who have been conquered, with the oppressed, embodying the prophetic call for justice by embodying the suffering of God in the poor. It meant the cross. It meant the cross. Triumph hidden in defeat. Losing one's life and trusting in resurrection. 
Well, that didn't go over so well with Peter. And Peter took him aside, right, and began to rebuke him. And I started thinking, you know, I do the same thing. I do the same thing when he's on my sweet, tiny, infant, golden fleece, Jesus, baby, and I'm on the beach and everything's so good, and I'm drinking a Corona, you know. I mean, man, I love me that Jesus. But Peter didn't like Jesus' understanding. And I would say that most of us, if we're honest, come to believe important things because we think they're good for us, right? You know? We think they're good for us. We like Jesus, or I, I'll say it, I like Jesus to fit my comfortable recreational lifestyle. We tend to like Jesus who can follow on our terms, right? I like to follow Jesus on my terms, you know. I don't want him setting the agenda for myself, you know, no, no, no. I, I, I got this, I got this, Jesus, thank you very much. I'll set the agenda, and I'll choose when and how I'll participate with this Jesus, right? I don't want him messing my life up by any means, you know. I like Jesus who aligns with my social settings and my group. I like Jesus to align with my political affiliation, you know. I mean, do you do that? You know, some people think Jesus is a Republican. They really do that. They, they actually believe. And they got the American flag. And the, but then there's some people that think Jesus is a Democrat. They do. I'm just telling you. I don't know. Who do you say he is? We like Jesus who aligns with our cultural expectations and spiritual goals. But we don't want Jesus who makes us flinch. We don't want a Jesus who makes us re-examine our assumptions about life, do we? But I think, you know, there's so much grace and invitation in life into what I think maybe Jesus is drawing us to. Because if we keep moving forward with Jesus, he's going to force us to re-examine some of the elemental beliefs about who he is and about who we are and about what life is ultimately about. Who do you say I am? Jesus asked. Jesus turned to his disciples and he rebukes Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Divine way, human way. Satan, the word Satan, is an adversary, an opponent, something that serves to derail, the voice that tries to tempt us to go in another direction, a stumbling block. And he tells Peter, get out of my way because you don't really know what this is all about. Because here's the deal. We don't really want a change. Or Okay, I'll, I keep saying we. I mean me. I don't really want a change. So I try to force Jesus to change. I want Jesus to abide by my rules and my agenda, and I can keep him in the box that I created him for and force him to conform to my agenda. I don't know. Do you ever do that? Who do you say he is? Because Scott Hahn, a theologian author, says, sin is not wanting too much, but settling for too little. Hey, that sounds like the American way. It's settling for self-gratification rather than self-fulfillment. 
Okay. Deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. This dude has not heard about the American dream, apparently, right? I mean, that is un-American, daggone it. Deny myself? I spent my whole life building my life the way I wanted it. I did. And now I'm supposed to deny myself? Are you kidding me? And take up a cross and follow? I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I set the agenda. I get the lead. Jesus, come on. But if you want to follow me, if you want to, deny yourself. Pick up your cross, follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it. And for those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. You know, these, to me, and Greg and I, we were talking about how challenging these words are, right? But I think that's the point. That's a question I need to ask. Right? Who is Jesus? What's this really mean? Right? I mean, we're trained early in life to take care of ourselves, to minimize risk, to protect ourselves from harm, hence Brazilian jiu-jitsu, to build and maintain a secure and comfortable life, and to be socially responsible and civic-minded. Certainly, we don't want to do anything that may inconvenience us, or discomfort us, right? We don't want uh, to deny ourselves of our mental programs for happiness, do we? Or risk physical, emotional, and spiritual safety? Oh, Jesus. But Jesus says, and I have to live with this and have to pray it through my soul and ask myself the question, what does he mean? And he says, that's where I'm going to find my life. Steve Garnis Holmes, who is a retired Methodist pre, uh, pastor and poet, wrote this. He says, the cross is not jewelry, not a badge nor a shield. It's a risk, a vulnerability. It's not an annoyance. It's the willingness to suffer for the sake of love. To deny ourselves is to deny whatever fears keep us from loving fully. It is to let go of our self-centeredness, to say no to the illusion, to, um, to transcend our ego, and to abandon our little, listen to this, skull-caged, death-leashed bit of fear and desire, and instead become the infinitely alive and loving children of God who we truly are. See, I have an idea who I think I am and what my world is, and I think God might have an entirely different idea. See, I say I've been claimed and chosen by Christ and that I have been grafted into the very life of God. So as those who embody God's love, we give our lives for love, he says. We're not afraid even of death because we trust that with love and grace, God overabundantly renews life in us. So we follow Jesus ourselves and into infinite life. Without fear, we take up our cross, practice 
compassionate, self-giving, and join Jesus in loving the world into newness. You are love, he says. You are the beloved. Deny anything less and love without limit. Maybe that's what Jesus meant. That there is truly something profound and beautiful and holy and sacred when we do this. The deep truth Jesus is trying to tell us, it is only when we give this small little life away for the sake of others that we truly discover real life, life and what it means to be fully human. Only through serving and loving and caring do we really discover a life that truly matters. Who do you say Jesus is? See, how we answer that question really matters to the woman out there by the dumpster sleeping in the dirt, to the children in the Dominican Republic in the streets, to the children that are hungry out there, to the people that sit in my office whose lives have been broken and fallen apart because of betrayal, because of some hurt, because of some disease, because of something that's been done to them to shame them and take away the beauty of their worth in the eyes of God. How we answer that question matters. Who we think Jesus is will determine how far we will go in following him, how boldly we will dedicate ourselves to sharing the radical, reckless good news of the gospel of God's profound love for all of humanity into a broken, sick, and desperate world that is in need of a Savior. Who is Jesus to you? How do you answer that question? Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.